What's your favorite? Don't. God, that's awful. Favorite? Awful. Awful. Your favorite film is awful. Hello, and welcome to Your Favorite Film is Awful, the weekly podcast where we invite guests on to defend their favorite film against negative reviews. As always, I'm Luke, the voice of reason in this cloud of positivity, and with me as always, my friend, my co-host, Charlie. How are you? I'm great, mate. Great? Been lovely. Yeah? Yeah. In a real good mood. Good. Yeah. How about yourself, mate? I'm fine. Thank you very much for asking. Good. Have you brought a guest? I have brought a guest, actually. You have brought a guest? Yeah. I thought we'd introduce the guest first, because we like to talk more as a, as a unit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Makes That's sense. A good so who idea. is the guest? Who is this person you've brought? He is a, uh, a singer-songwriter. Okay. He is. He's quite a talented man. Ollie, say hello. Hello, guys. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm not bad at all. Thank you very much. It's an honour to be here. Oh, I'm a big fan of the thank you. podcast. Oh, thank you for being here. I appreciate yeah. that. Have you been up to anything this week? Not really. I saw Aladdin at the cinema this week. Okay, is it any good? It's um, it was it was, mm, it didn't quite live up to the original animation, and that's my problem with the live action thing. Probably is that the kind of the nature of animation is that you can do limitless things with it, whereas with the real people, it's like mm, there there is a level where it's not quite as impactful. I yeah, they, they, you can't be as bizarre yeah. and weird with it. As... Yeah, exactly. But I think they did, musically, they did as good a job as they could have done. No, it. that's really um, good. Will Smith made it his own uh, as the genie. You can't try and compete with Robin Williams or you're going to just flounder helplessly. Makes so sense. no, I think overall it was a pleasant surprise. Strong 7 out of 10 for me. Oh, fair enough. Interesting. I um, haven't seen it yet, though. Oh, okay. Not yet? No. Yeah, I'm not too sure mm. if I'm going to actually... Uh, not in like a way of not seeing it, just the way of just like, I don't know if I can not catch mm. it. There's yeah. a few things on Might run out of time. Yeah, there's a few things out at the moment that I'd rather see. But if I've got time to see it, I'll probably check it out. Fair um, enough. And what about you, Charlie? Have you been up to anything this week? Did you watch The Matrix 3? Uh, no. Oh, no. But Charlie. I haven't watched it yet. Um, just still want to talk to myself, really. Uh, I will get round to it. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so it might be great. It might be, it might actually... Be the best one. Exactly. We need, we need I've a not been told finale that. on this trilogy. Um, yeah, I'm putting it off for years. And I, I, now I'm putting it off again. But no, I should watch it. I should, I'll, I'll try and watch it today, maybe. Yeah, this week, um, I see, I think I see John Wick 3. Okay. I see John Wick 3, which I loved. I thought that was great. I think it might be my favourite of the three. And if you want my quick little rankings, just quickly, uh, I think it goes 3-1-2. Makes sense. Yep, maybe. I need another watch though. I need to give it another watch before. So mm. maybe I'm just like, you know, on the hype train. So I don't know. Yeah. I definitely need to give it a rewatch because I watched it as well this week. Yeah. But the hype train kind of took all the steam away from mm. it for me. Mm. It was one of those that my socks were blown off before I got to watch the film. So it, like they couldn't be blown off during. And so it just lessened it a little bit. I see it's sad. Uh, and I didn't want to be that guy, but then I became that guy. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, see, I'd, I'd be opposite where everyone's hyping it to me and I was like, oh, it's not good. Surely it can't be this good as that. And I thought, yeah, I thought the action have really stepped it up this time and really put some budget into it. It's like really, the, the scale of it is... Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, and then I went to Comic-Con. Yes, we, we did. We did. We yeah, that was yeah. recently for us in real time. Yeah? Yeah. Did you have fun? Uh, yeah, it was good. I bought, bought a load of shit. I bought, um, <laughs> okay, that's specific. Yeah, I bought uh, I bought some comics. I bought uh, The Boys, the first volume of The Boys, which has been made into an Amazon series. Yeah, I was about to mention that. Uh, which is really fucking cool. I bought The Fade Out, and I bought... What was the other one I bought? Uh, Moonshine, by the guy who did 100 Bullets. The Fade Out, I think, was by Brubaker, who wrote The Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. And Westworld, mm. the TV shows, yeah, called, yeah. I believe. And they're all incredible. I mean, I love the fade out so much that I actually bought the entire like collection of them all. Oh wow! Yeah, just okay. like literally next day. Like, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. this is, and I finished it. I finished reading it. <laughs> yeah, it which is weird because I lent you a book about a year ago and you've still not read it. So you know, priorities are good. <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. Eventually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I went to MCM as well. I had a fun time. It was nice to see the people there, and hopefully we can do something. 
do it again next time. When's it on next? I, October. October. I think, yeah. Okay, cool. Anyway, back to you, Ollie, because you know why you're here. The, Pretty like, sure it's on. You didn't come on to your favorite film is awful without any clue what we were going to do. Did you? Well, <laughs> he's come on with his, his song choice. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your got totally wrong end of the stick here. I don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite film? My favorite film is The Green Mile. The Green Mile? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Already I can, I can feel in my gut how some of these reviews are going to go. <laughs> And it's, it's a risky it's, it's a risky choice <laughs> yeah and we'll for those at home who've not watched The Green Mile yeah. but will continue to listen to the podcast what is the plot of Green Mile? I mean there's a few strands running through it but I'd say the fundamental thing is that it's about the life well a section in the life of a prison officer on death row called Paul Edgecombe and in specific one uh, inmate who ends up being more than he initially appears. That's why I say. Vague. I it like is it. quite vague, but I don't know. I feel we can develop into more specifics as we we go on. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Fair enough. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But there's lots of other things in it as well, you see. It's, oh, not, yeah. it's, not, it's about you get a day-to-day look into what goes on in the, the death row as well so it's not just those two characters specifically you get an insight into a lot more than that okay yeah. interesting mm. but vague yeah and your vagueness kind of helps this review. oh good who gives it a three out I don't of know ten it helps him it does help him david anson a lumbering self-important three-hour melodrama <laughs> that defies credibility at every turn interesting okay defies credibility Obviously, the film is a mixture of, I'd say it's quite unusual in that it's a combination of sort of gritty, sort of violent scenes, like in realistic characters, very human characters, but also there's fantastical elements as well. And I'd argue that it's the former that make the latter seem more authentic when they come around. So um, if it was all flamboyant throughout and it was all fantasy, then I'd, I'd agree with him, I'd say that. But... I feel there's a real human heart to it and a real authenticity which makes the fantasy element seem believable. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I think the characters feel really grounded. Mm. And I think, in a weird way, that actually benefits the fantasy-type stuff that's yeah. going on. Um, yeah, like, all the characters, you, you get a sense of who they are, even if you don't see them for that, that often. I mean, I guess that's the fact... It's a three-hour movie mm. and there's only a select amount of characters, mm. really, for a three-hour movie. And it's in this sort of mainly contained in the prison mainly but yeah i feel like every every character is like fleshed out you know they are um and i think yeah i think it works because of that the fantasy stuff it doesn't bother me because it i mean even there it's really weird because even their reactions i mean i feel like there's a few times i was watching it and i was like i think if it was in real life i'd be like what the fuck do you <laughs> know what i mean but like it, it doesn't almost feel it doesn't feel right for them to actually react like that in the film Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, mm. and I was like thinking about it. Like, oh, they're reacting to it like they are reacting to it. They're not reacting to it in the most mm. crazy way, but like I feel like they're reacting to it in quite a genuine way. Yeah, yeah, it mm. makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. when Coffee does all these miracles, nobody is screaming. They're all in that silent awe of this is mm. a miracle, rather than holy shit, how is this a thing that's happening in front of us? Yeah. So. Yeah, and then the film's not really like it's already it, there is fantasy stuff in it, and it's not really focused on that. Like that stuff's in it, but like it's more about these characters interacting and what they're going through and sort of their you know in this mm. film. But um, yeah, no, I just I, I think as well. Like he said, it was like melodramatic. Right, don't get me wrong, it can be a bit. It is a bit melodramatic at times. Like I agree with that. But like I think the film's for a three-hour movie it doesn't feel like three hours either. Like it does fly by. Like three hours long it, there is a lot going on even yeah. though they're, it's in the selects mm. do you know what I mean there's a lot going on yeah. and it, I feel like it never really overstates its welcome at the time what do you think yeah I feel what I like about it is it's sort of the story itself obviously when it was initially written by Stephen King it was done mm. in like an episodic sort of way so it was published in a like a magazine or a newspaper thing oh okay yeah no, yeah, it was all publishing yeah. way so I think that sort of translates quite nicely into a, a film that's that long because 
it's, it's sort of like easily digestible chunks that it's in, but also you've still got the underlying stories. So, for example, you've got John Coffey's arrival being the first part, and then there's a whole segment of scenes dedicated to the arrival of the mouse, Mr Jingles, mm. and there's a lot of mouse-related scenes. And then there's a few scenes dedicated to Wild Bill when he arrives. And, uh, yeah, and I think because of that, it doesn't really overstay its welcome in that sense. I don't really notice the time going by. Yeah, and also because, like, it sets things up that it pays off later on. Like, yes. it sets things up that you're like, maybe at the time you're thinking, oh, well, I'm watching this right now, I'm spending so much time on this character. But, like, later on, things pay off, like um, like Mr Jingles. We mm-hmm. spend all this time with him. We get we get connected to Mr Jingles as a character himself. Mm-hmm. So that when it comes to the ending, when the Paul Edgecombe is, like, you know, reveals that he's still looking after him and stuff. Yeah. Like there's 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 an emotional connection there because you've you've seen what they've been through mm. together and you've you you as an audience have are connected to this thing. I mean, the thing when we see it get killed and revived again. So yeah. so you know yeah. we have like an emotional connection to it and how you know it's a big it's a central part of the film itself. Like there's not yeah. much you could take out of this film and it for it to work. Like even while Bill the stuff we spent. Like, it all pays off later on of, like... I mean, the twist is he is the fucking guy yeah. that, that killed the kids. So, so yeah, like, I feel like everything in this movie doesn't feel out of place. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing... Yeah. The directors... There's never a point where I feel like Frank Darabont's, like, flexing his directing muscles. Do you know what I mean? He's not... Everything's there. I mean, even... It's just, there's, a few, there's a few shots that are a bit, you know, flashy, but it's there to serve the purpose of the, of the film. Yeah, and I think Stephen King even said this was his favourite adaptation of all of his books. Mm. Which doesn't leave too much out at all. Surprisingly, considering, yeah, they they could have done and made the film a much more uh, acceptable length for the average moviegoer, but um, yeah, if you, if you think about the things that have been left out of the book, it's minimal, two three things probably, mm. and uh, they've actually added a couple of things as well to the film which oh, are really in the original book. For example, the 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 whole thing about uh, John Coffey wanting to watch the film for the last time. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not in the book, which I think is a really nice sort of heartfelt that's moment. That's a great moment. I love that, yeah. especially as obviously like I love cinema, so yeah, just, it's a lovely moment of just like mm. appreciation. I feel like Frank Darabont put that in there to mm. show his appreciation for film as well. Yeah, that's It's um, a good uh, plot device as well because when we're introduced to the story of the inmates mm. from old Paul Edgecombe, mm. we're introduced to it because he he sees the same film. That was John Coffey's first and last film, yeah. and he mm. cries, and that's what gauges us in. So it's a nice mm. emotional no, plot yeah. tie as well. Yeah, mm. it's lovely. It's, it's the inside incident in the film for Paul to tell the story we're watching mm-hmm. to the ladies with yeah. in the home. Yeah. So, like I said, I think because I hadn't seen this since I was fifteen, and I re- rewatching mm. this, so I was like. I remember it being really good when I was uh, younger. Yeah. And I was rewatching it. I, f- I actually forgot about the fantasy stuff. Like, <laughs> I just thought it was a prison movie. I just didn't. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was like, oh, it's like Shawshank. Like, it's the same, <laughs> same guy did it. Um, but yeah, I, was, I forgot about stuff. But like, it's like everything. It's, a lot of the script is quite tight. Even though this is mm. fantasy stuff, I don't quite mind it. And usually stuff like that bothers me. Yeah, but like, yeah. I, I didn't really mind it. I was like, oh, I'm enjoying these characters. And like, it yeah. does sort of fit. And, and also it's paid off. The fantasy stuff purely revolves around that one character as well. So that sort of makes him notable from the rest of them. Yeah. And that's yeah. And that's why they consider him to be so remarkable compared to the other inmates. Yeah. And also I like that I never like in, in fantasy things when like someone just sort of does stuff and it just it helps the plot. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like whereas like this movie is like he he's for one, you can tell this power he has is not a good thing to have. Like he's fucking tormented. Like he hears all the horrible things in the world like and sees it and feels it so it's like a burden that he has to be able to do this mm. thing and I, I always like stuff like that in fact when he has a fantasy I always like that there's a price to pay for things having that sort of thing mm. that sort of power there's actually a, there's one more thing there's a major plot point in the book that's not in the film which is um, Paul Edgecombe's wife um, her death scene is in the book where she is in a, a tragic bus crash and he literally comes to her side as she is dying on the road and he sees John Coffey's spirit there almost a sort of like a judgmental way yeah like this is you getting punished for what you've done to John Coffey that sort of thing oh sure um, and they've left it out of the film which I think is good because the amount of emotional points throughout this film it would be overkill I think to add something else on top of that after Coffey's execution yeah so I think that was why I mean I think the immortal thing is punishment enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. that's so, a very big punishment yeah yeah, yeah. 
even though a lot of people want it for some reason. It's always yeah. one of those, like, when you're like, oh, you get three superpowers, which ones do you want? Immortality always seems to find its way onto oh, that God, list. No. And it's like, no, not entirely. No. Maybe an extended life, but I don't want to no, live definitely. forever. It's 100% teleport. Like, we all know yeah. teleport yeah, yeah. is the best one. And shapeshifting. I'd be so fat, though, if I was a teleporter. <laughs> yeah, but that's where you get shapeshifting as well, and then you're never fat. Oh, so you're having two powers? Oh, always. I, those are like the top two tier. For me. Oh, okay. If you could pick two, that's different. Mm. That changes the game a little bit. Also, flying. Who wants to fly? It's real cold up there. Yeah, I'm just gonna I like the idea of flying. I think it'd be fun. But like, yeah. Like in reality, teleporting. If I could yeah. look, I just go boom, and I just can be somewhere. Yeah. Save me so much time, wouldn't mm. it? But then you'd still wouldn't have enough time, would you? Because you'd be so used to doing that, yeah, things still never. wouldn't be quick enough. You know, it's never enough quick enough. Mm. Okay, but getting back to partial reality with this next review from mm. Matthew Stelly who titles the review racism back in full effect oh good grief there we go uh, just to let you both know and the listener at home this one has some strong language but of course I do try and say these reviews how it's written so just a pre-warning that it's a little bit racy take one part big black negro one part white liberal jailer and one part fantasy and you have the green mile a black man accused of killing two white girls goes to jail to await the death penalty myth in those days the death penalty would have been met out by the community at one of their lynching bees secondly his magic powers see this is the racist mind of stephen king at work he has no blacks in his main community, and the only blacks he sees are the ones on sports TV. So his image of the super black is in his mind when he writes this story. The black with superpowers who is on equal terms with less than average whites. Ain't that the way it always is? The Green Mile is a joke and hails back to the days of birth of a nation in its degree of racism. That's why it got all those awards. Haven't any of you noticed yet that the only way a movie featuring a black gets an Academy nod is if the role is degrading? Denzel goes from militant to Uncle Tom in glory. Butterfly McQueen plays a black stereotype in Gone with the Wind. Morgan Freeman plays a black chauffeur in Driving Miss Daisy. See? Now we have Duncan, a giant of a man, who one reviewer called a behemoth, who kowtows to wimpish Tom Hanks. This makes the second time a black man turned in a superior performance to Hanks, and Hanks got the nod. The first time was in Philadelphia, when Denzel stole the show. The Green Mile is a joke, and an historical insult. Where were all these liberal white folks when slavery was in existence? Think about it. Jesus Christ. Oh, dearie me. So, I mean, I can't speak historically. I don't have much knowledge in relation to whether that process would have been correct, what would have happened with John Coffey's uh, execution. So, let me get this right. He's not... Is it, is it a male reviewer? I believe so, it's Matthew. Okay, okay Matthew. He's not criticising characters being racist, but more the depiction of John Coffey as a character. I believe it's the depiction of John Coffey still being alive because when they found him, they would have killed him immediately, so that's not historically accurate. Okay. Also, the fact that not everyone is a racist fuck. Hmm. But I feel... <laughs> there's a, <laughs> such a hard thing. There's a fair share of racist characters within it. And non-racist. And I feel, in a way, contrarily, let's, let's forego the bit about uh, him getting killed on the spot for the moment, because I'm not, I'm not sure what would have happened, but that may well have been the case. But if we go with the angle that if it was a big, a big white man who was in the lead role and was performing these sorts of miracles, as the viewer, you'd be thinking there's much more of a chance of him getting off with this at this stage in history. Mm. I think the fact that it is a black lead leads you to think they're on a bit of a a losing situation here before they've even begun. Because no matter what he does, there's going to be people less trusting of him. 
definitely the color of his skin. It it is definitely one of those. Uh, so Matthew talks about how it's racism in uh, full effect, and it is that, but it's also about the characters and how Paul has the thinking that he should always keep his inmates calm and he should always keep everyone on the same level and everything's fine because mm. these people are about to die. There's no point aggravating other people because in a couple of days, a couple of weeks, they're going to die anyway. So what's the point? Mm. And so that's why they are more forgiving of his race mm. in that sense. Whilst then you have uh, Billy the Kid who yeah. doesn't give a shit about anyone. Mm. And I believe he's the only one who says the the, the hard N-word because everyone else is just like, they're there to do their job. Mm. And it is that sort of... Racism is a thing and was a thing much worse. I hope that it's slightly better, but of course, as we're three white guys talking about racism... Yeah. We, what, do you, what do we know? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it's hard for us to talk about it. And especially in America, where this is set, it could be argued that it's still really fucking bad over there yeah definitely yeah like we have that almost privilege of being born in the uk where it's at least i mean it's still us i mean yeah yeah, it's it's still still there still there of course it's less in the spotlights like america you get people i mean not like i said like we've experienced like it's hard for us to talk about this because like we you know we're what yeah we have experienced this so yeah i think he's made i think he makes some fair points in this review of him saying about Usually, if people get Oscar nominated, it is to do with them mm. a black guy helping a white man, or, or, or do you know what I'm saying? And uh, like, I do understand that. I do, yeah. So I think it's a valid point. Like I said, if I'm if I'm looking at this film as just like a as it a film as what the film does itself, I don't feel like those there. It doesn't feel like they're intentionally trying to make this character sort of it's the magical. Yeah, it's, this is tough. This is tough on talk because I. I, mm. I Fuck, this is fucking hard. <laughs> I believe you picked a mine as your favourite film. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I would agree with um, with his points. Um, I do think it's weird sometimes where it's it's, like, it's kind of that case of like he said, oh, it's only so only if he's only because he's magical is he really accepted. Like they don't really accept him, I guess, until I mean they do, but. He came, he's a nice guy and they know he's a nice person but they never really question whether he did it or not until they see his magical powers so I do understand mm. what this guy's saying that being said like like I said I can't, I can't like I, there's not much I can say on this because I'm you know I'm not I haven't experienced what you know what yeah. people have been through it's, it's tough for me to talk about um, but if I'm looking at it from a movie point of view I think it's um, I think it's a I think it's a really I think it's a really good film I think it works emotionally um and I think, I think the fact that at the end, his race is the reason why mm. he is electrocuted at the end, is 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 pointing out, you know, the issues yeah. at hand. You know what I mean? The, the problem with you can racism be accepted itself, by the prison like, guards as much as he wants, but he's still not accepted by society in mm. a larger. Sense. Yeah, exactly. And at the time and stuff, and like even now, like there's there's problems. People have, they have in America where. I mean, black, young black kids are being arrested for like petty crimes, and and then it's the system of they forever even, that in their life. Not even not yeah. even that. Like I mean, it's people have been that. shot. I like, saw um, like, a video on Facebook of a, a police officer in America who there was a black guy sweeping outside of a house. Mate, I see that. And that was the policeman's horrible. like, oh, why are you loitering? Yeah, mate. Yeah, why are you loitering? Why are you here? You shouldn't be here. And black guy's like, I live here. I'm cleaning outside my house. Yeah. And like, he calls in loads of other policemen. who He pulls then, his gun out on and him. They pull, and he's, he's like, sit, sit down. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm cleaning. You've, you've, I've done nothing wrong. And yeah. it's just like, the only reason any of that happened is because he's black. Yeah. No, mm. it's, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. I can't believe it. Like, in this day and age, I was watching that video and I was like, it made me so fucking angry. Like yeah. the fact that, like he's, he's like picking up, he's got like the, do you know the thing you pick, do you know the stick that you pick up a litter with? Yes. Yeah, like the little claw And the guy's thing. like, he's like, put that down because like, it's a horrible yeah. weapon. Put he's that like, weapon down. He's like, like, mate, I've got a bucket and a fucking like, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you, what, you, you having a laugh? Like, mm. and the problem is, is you can smell the fucking, the cop's ego and racism as well. Mm. Like, you can smell it through the video. Like, yeah. you can just tell like, like he's just he, he won't lay it down because he's like he knows he's fucked up and now he's like I've got to go through with it mm. and then sometimes the other cops later come on like what are you doing pretty much mm-hmm. and they stop it but it's like 
that is like that's so disgusting like yeah. that yeah. happened you know what I'm saying like it, and like, I think I mean this film is very obviously relevant to the time that it's set in the 1930s um, and I think the reason why that film was released in 1999 I mean is because obviously those it's just still a problem I mean yeah. and even that video that you were talking about I mean, it's, it's just still an issue mm. um, and I think yeah I think the intentions of the people making the film were not to be racist I, oh, I hope not anyway but um, mm. but you know what I'm saying and, like, I think they're trying to push the message that you know this racism sucks obviously it's horrible and obviously there's these undertones that this guy's picked up on that throughout I think that's like he said like his history of knowing cinema and who's been nominated and it's, it's true mm. like that is the yeah. I mean only too recently where I'm trying to think uh, Michelle Ali got for Moonlight that's pretty I mean and that's yeah. an example of a film I can think of as like oh it's an actual mm. a black actor playing a black a role that's not you know set around white people do you know what I mean and do you know what I mean helping white people like, do you know what I'm saying like it's, yeah. it's his own it's his own performance yeah. Um, which is yeah I mean it's not so much we could say this is a tough no. it's a tough uh, <laughs> it's a tough review um, but exactly. yeah I do agree with um, with what he's saying some of the stuff he says yeah. okay cool so next review we've got Anne Hornaday who gives it 38 out of 100 not great with a grating combination of naivety and arrogance the Green Mile consistently overplays its melodramatic material, including a portrait of a black man that is as breathtakingly offensive as it is earnest. Okay, so this is more relating to John Coffey and his characterization within the film as being racist. To be honest, I don't, I don't see his race as being that connected to what he provides for the movie in terms of his personality and character. If you think about it, John Coffey is the only truly good-hearted person, mm. 100% good-hearted. Mm. Everyone else is, you know, are black and white characters or much more black and white in that sense. Um, you've got so probably Percy Wetmore and Wild Bill are the two definite villains of the piece who are much darker in, in heart than anything else. But with John Coffey, I've heard some people maybe criticise the portrayal of his character in the sense that he appears to be some sort of ignorant guy who can't can't speak English in the same way that other people do. But I'd see that less as a, a racial issue, just more as a character thing, where he's just very naive, naturally. It's like, as a character says, it's like he's he's come from, from the sky, like some sort of uh, higher being, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's also to do with the times as well. Yeah. Like, they they weren't really they, they didn't really have a good education exactly, system yeah. at that time so it makes sense in the yeah. character i mean he even says that he only knows how to spell his own name yeah so that yeah. just tells you like the context of his mm. education so of course he's going to come off as naive of course yeah. he's going to say things a bit poorly because they've not yeah. educated him very well and there's just like there's a real childlike sort of uh sweetness to his personality as well when you think about that scene towards the end where they actually allow him to leave the prison for the first time and he picks up the leaves mm. and he shows it to the prison guards as if it's something he's never experienced in his life before and you think this is no ordinary person regardless of skin colour or anything like that this is someone who hasn't experienced anything in this world and the fantastical elements lend you to believe that perhaps he hasn't been <laughs> in mm. this world for as long as his mm appearance would make you think mm. yeah when they talk about his backstory you mentioned it yeah. they're like oh what's his uh, background where did he come from and they're like we don't know it's as if he yeah. dropped out of the sky and yeah we... i mean the whole metaphor is that he's like essentially like jesus yeah same initials uh, yeah. jc yeah mm -hmm. so yeah. um yeah exactly Which like, is not, it's not not like he has to sacrifice but... sacrifice himself at the end sort of thing yeah um mm. what people that you know, yeah. Um, There's also a scene where he hands out the bread to his fellow inmates, oh, yeah. which is you know, obviously Jesus with the bread and the yeah. wine. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. The only difference is Jesus would probably have given it to everyone, but when while Bill asked for the bread, John Coffey's like, no, not so much. You. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, just to delve, please. Oh yeah, but would Jesus have given bread to the devil? Mm. Oh, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. But kind of in that light makes sense because when I was looking for reviews, the Christian reviews that I did find didn't really take issue with it. Like, they all acknowledged it. They were all like, yes, this this is like a, a weird depiction of the second coming of Jesus sort of thing. Mm. But nobody was like, 
disgusted at that. They're mm. all just like, yeah, I can see what they did. Maybe don't show the children, but if you are old enough to accept this fantastical world that they've created, then go ahead and watch it, mm. which I found very interesting. And also to talk about the film in the time period, and even now, like if somebody came out and went, oh yeah, I'm the second coming of Jesus, look at me do these miracles, this person w wouldn't get a free pass if he was then framed for the murder of two kids. He would be mm. jailed for it, no matter who. And I think that's really interesting that if somebody today went up to you and went, I am the second coming of Jesus, you're then gonna get on your phone and call the madhouse because obviously they've just lost an inmate. Yeah, I think I think the the thing they're pointing out on is the whole is the issue with the the the, the magical black person trope that mm. I think was coined by um, I think Spike Lee was the first guy to talk about this. I think he actually used this movie. Mm. I think he did like a few lectures in like universities, and I think he spoke about this this trope. And I think he used this movie as an example mm. of like yeah, where like, a black character sort of selflessly do things mm. for everyone and stuff and that's the only way they can be accepted sort of thing and I do get like that as being a problem for people like they, people, they should be accepted anyway not just because of yeah. do you know what I mean they have to be good they have to go mm. above and beyond to be accepted sort of thing um, they should mm. just be accepted anyway I do get that yeah so I totally understand this um, I do I do enjoy this film I, uh, yeah yeah, I can, a, I can, I can get on board with um, people saying that maybe deals with race issues in a quite naive way. But yeah, yeah, I do feel, from my experience, just obviously someone who's not in that sort of racially uh, motivated space of mind, um, I was watching it and thinking this is a story about a man who has just a, got a good heart and has been wronged and there's no way out because of the colour of his skin. And that's what I got from it. So mm. I feel its intentions mm. overall are good as a film in, in terms of... Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So our next review is one and a half star from He Saw. The plot and the writing are so random at times, whilst also being a little reminiscent of Shawshank Redemption, the writing felt slow and the emotional impact just doesn't really hit you as much as it's meant to, I think. I also missed the point of the entire movie because it was only lightly touched upon at the very end. Aside from that, it's just Christian nonsense, rehashed in a slightly more modern method, which is just boring to me, because it's basically unoriginal. It does feel a lot like Shawshank Redemption, and that's because it was directed by Frank yes. Darabont, who did the Shawshank Redemption mm. as well. I mean, he must have a sort of a fascination with mm. prison yeah. films. I mean, he, done, he also did The Walking Dead, which I think... Yeah. Like most of it's, I think season three and four were set like in a, in a prison. I mean, maybe he's got like a Stephen King book as well, wasn't it? Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, he's he's actually. I think he did The Mist. I think I think Stephen King wrote that as well. I think mm -hmm. most of his film career mm -hmm. is Stephen King adaptations. Um, so <laughs> I think he obviously loves his work. Yeah. I can't agree at all with the emotional impact point that it makes because I'm in, even watching it for maybe the twenty eighth time this week. It's uh, it still has a very profound effect on me emotionally. And I feel that would probably, it'd probably be the case for the vast majority of people that do watch it. It's regularly in lists of the most emotional films made, and I don't think it tries too hard to achieve that. I think it's quite a natural process. It's quite impactful. Yeah, I think um, the scene uh, specifically that really gets to me is when John is describing how it feels yeah. to deal with the burden yeah. of this power and how he's just, he's like, he's okay with going because he hears everyone's pain and how nasty mm. everyone is to each other and how horrible it feels to him that mm. the humans do this to each other and like that we shouldn't do it sort of thing mm. that's a really lovely moment like when he's talking to it's the, his performance is fucking incredible yeah. in that bit like I was like fuck like he's mm. really fucking good and considering I think this was like his second big role really I think he did Armageddon he did a few bit parts. I think he was in like Night of the Roxbury. I think he turned up as like, I think he played like a bouncer and stuff in Night of the Roxbury or something. And a few little films like that. And then he did Armageddon. And then he did The Green Mile. And I think this is what put him on the map. I mean, he got nominated for an Oscar. He didn't win. I think he lost to, I think, Michael Caine? I think, I'm not sure. But yeah, 
I mean, his performance is fucking phenomenal in that bit. Like, because mm-hmm. it's just it's a, it's a it's a the take goes on for a while, and he it's his eyes during that bit, and when he brings his hands in that shot to describe you really get a sense of like how horrible it must it feels for this guy this character and you really get and it's the first really time we really it. hear from him in that sense about what he himself is feeling and he's not being used by yeah. others to help them yeah exactly we actually get an insight and we totally understand that he's feeling resigned by that point yeah exactly and he's like he's like it's always going to be terrible things in the world and he feels every single yeah terrible thing that's going on yeah and following that scene is literally them going to pull, you know, pull down the lever to yeah. electrocute him mm-hmm. and their reactions to it. Because their lives have ultimately been changed forever because of mm-hmm. this, the situation they've gone through. So they'll never forget this man and what he's done for him and what he did for the, the main guy of the prison's wife, didn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I'm yeah. terrible with names. I'm yeah, really it's Hal, Hal, the chief warden guy. Yeah. His wife with the brain trimmer. Melinda. Mm. Melinda Moore is that. Yeah, like, like a moment in their lives that they'll never forget. And... Uh, they probably it's probably the best time they've probably ever had. Yeah. Almost in the I mean obviously it was stressful a lot of it, but like in terms of mm. him and seeing the miracles and stuff and him hanging out with him mm-hmm. might be the best time they've had. I don't know, I'm just speculating. Um, but yeah, that's you get a real sense of, of that. And uh the bit when I I mean the bit when he's watching the film is just lovely to me. Yes. Like um yeah. like he's in awe. It's like the first time it just brings you back as an an audience viewer, the first time more for me personally. Mm of going to the cinema when I was younger and that experience of, wow, look at this. Yeah. Like, this is incredible. Like, do you know what I mean? Being taken to another world. and It, it truly has a love for, for film in that, in, that, mm-hmm. in that way. It's one of my favourite Tom Hanks performances as well, to be honest, because yeah. especially during the scene we were previously talking about um, with John Coffey's final speech, it, Tom Hanks doesn't say anything, but just the expression in his face while he's listening to these words makes it even more emotional as he's saying it. And it's quite... It, it's kind of under, understated in a sense. And people don't always get credit when they're not seeing lines in films as actors. But That's the it, it, it's almost as, almost as if not more difficult to be reactionary 100%. in that sense and be well, authentic uh, in that. Acting is reacting. Yeah. But it is interesting that you brought up Tom Hanks Ooh, because no. we have a one star from Saoirse Del Tofu. Terrible acting. Terrible plot. Terrible film. Tom Hanks was as wooden and emotionless as ever, and he wasn't even the worst of the cast. The plot was dull and predictable, with too much of a heavy-handed good-versus-evil story to contain any interesting character development, making all the characters one-dimensional. It also included about half an hour of screen time set later on, making the main film a flashback, which added literally nothing. Add to this the awful direction and incompetent use of the bad, pathetic fallacy, and you get a very bad film. The only redeeming features were good performances from Rockwell and Clarkson, and a very good scene near the end. Okay. In terms of the one-dimensional character point, I'm not in agreement with that at all. I feel there's a lot of uh, positives and negatives and uh, light and dark to each and every character within it. And if you think about someone like even the worst person, which is Wild Bill, this might be controversial to say, but he's got some comic scenes in there, which almost make you think this is quite a charismatic person, despite the fact that he's clearly an evil, evil person. Mm. And that that's a, a big thing for uh, Sam Rockwell's performance in it. That's, uh, that says it all, I think, because he puts in a performance which makes you think, you know, he can, he's quite a funny guy. But no, on the other hand, this is probably the most evil person within the, the whole story. Yeah, he's, a, he's like so pure evil, isn't yeah. he? And nasty and like, he's just like, has no zero like discipline within himself yeah. or fault of others. Like, but he's also Rockwell sort of having fun with yeah, that on nastiness. The and yeah, it's just like, you really do hate this fucking guy. Yeah. Like, you really hate him. Like, yeah, he uh, does everything for his own amusement. Yes. Yeah. He's introduced and the police believe he's doped so that the police have to dress him. Mm. Yeah. Which they never really address afterwards, but he, like that entire time he's pretending. Yeah. So he's just happily letting these mm. policemen handle his penis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. When they get to the cells, he um, does it to camera to show that he's pretending and he's like, mm. oh yeah, now I'm just going to yeah. wake up and then start strangling everything. Uh, he buys the moon pie so he can spit 
the chocolate thing, which I assume was meant to look like shit. Yeah, because in the previous scene he says, I'm going to cook up some turds to go with the, the piss that I've just uh, spread yeah, on see. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's all for his own amusement, so I can see yeah. where you could get a comedic element, because he is pure evil, but he's that uh, yeah. chaotic evil of, like, he's doing everything for himself to have a good time, yeah. even though he's stupidly evil. Yeah, yeah. And maybe maybe it's just a character fault within myself as a person, but even with Percy Wetmore, nah, he's my least favorite character of all. I I just hate Percy Wetmore. He's a little sniveling runt of a man. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, you almost hate him yeah. more in a little way. Yeah. But yeah. Even, so, because he's like at least like Sam Sam Rockwell's character knows who he is. Yeah, yeah. at least he knows he's a cunt. Mm. Jamie, he knows who he is. He knows what he is. Like he's Percy's a cunt because he like he's pretending to be saying he yeah. isn't, and his reaction is always out of just being such a weak individual yeah. in himself. Yeah. And such afraid. a sadistic fuck. Yeah, like, f- out of his pure fear, he's resentful to other people. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because of it. Because he's like, but then he knows he's weak sort of thing and yeah. he can't admit that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think that's really highlighted when um, he doesn't wet the sponge. For yeah, yeah, God. Because yeah. as soon as it starts happening, he's like, Oh, I oh! Up. I didn't know this was gonna happen. And he tries to get away. Yes. And it's Paul who's like, "No, like, you fucking, yeah, you're fucking mm. watching this. Exactly. You watch what you've done. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. like such a oh fuck this guy. Yeah, literally. Yeah. The line where he says there is no Mouseville, and my heart always sinks when I read that. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Also, the, the way they shoot this, him stomping on oh, the yeah. on the mouse, mate. It comes out. It comes out of nowhere. It, it, it does take. It does break your heart a little bit because hmm. it's like. It's rolling. You don't. It's really cut. It's, the editing's really good in that scene because it's rolling along and you're not expecting it. Boom! It just treads yeah. on it. And you're like, "Fuck!" Like you react <laughs> just like the characters do. Um, yeah. It's a really nice moment because you actually feel like horrible. Like what a fucking arsehole. Like, Such yeah. a do you dick. know what I mean? Um, uh, even if like these guys are in this for for doing wrongs or whatever, like this guy's trying to clear his mind for doing it. And I think another thing it doesn't shy away from as well, like the electric chair stuff. It doesn't shy away from the fact that like. It, it shows it. It's like this is fucking horrible, and even people in the crowd are like, okay, this is too much. Even though we hate this person, this is fucking yeah. They, I mean, do you know what I mean? Like this is this. No one sort of deserves that sort of uh, thing. Um, I heard someone say quite recently that they think the film's advocated the death penalty because John Coffey's so willing to go to it at the end. It's like no, that's not the statement the film's making at no, all. No, no, it's not. John Coffey's just resigned to his fate because he because of the world sort of he lives yeah. in. He's like the world that we live in sucks. Is shit. Like this is what has to happen because no one's learnt yet yeah. in this time and like hopefully they will one day but they're not they've not learnt now and this is the only way it's going to go like yeah. and I, I, what am I going to do keep running like that's not it's not what's going to happen you know I mean? it's not realistic but yeah like to go back on the guy's review just quickly um, yeah. yeah I do think it can be a bit melodramatic at times it, it can be a bit Hollywood in yeah. terms of like it'll play a sweeping string soundtrack to make you feel some stuff mm-hmm. and, and you know it's, it, it's, it's premises and ideas quite you know at the top but it, it's, it's like you said the cracks are quite grounded even though there's a guy that lives <laughs> he's a he's mortal like they are grounded they feel like yeah. real people I think the performances are incredible and they were talking about Tom Hanks said the Tom Hanks performance Wooden was terrible and emotional no, emotional bad. emotionless the thing is with Tom Hanks right is like he's a he's a great fucking actor but we all know like it's Tom Hanks do you know what I'm saying like he's yeah. not like he's not Gary Oldman he doesn't chameleon into another role he's mm. not you know what I mean like Tom Hanks Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. where they become the, human, the person like Tom Hanks does Tom Hanks, but he does it so good. He does do yeah. it really good, and like he knows he knows the characters he can play. Like every time he picks a film, like you never really feel like oh he was miscast. Mm. I feel like he's quite smart in picking the scripts. He knows what he can do, what he's capable of as an actor, and what he does do is fucking brilliant. Mm. Um, and I do think he has range as well. I think he does have a lot of range, and I think especially in this, like he he, he he's he knows you don't have to do a lot. And I think he thinks it's wooden, but I, I wouldn't agree with that at all. Like, mm. I think he says so much in his eyes yeah. of how he's feeling. And it's not always over the top crying or whatever, but you can sometimes you can see the hurt. And I think it's interesting that, obviously, do you know when they're, they're, they're pulling the, the lever at the end to, to electrocute him? Everyone's, like, sobbing pretty much. Mm. And he's, his face is just full of just almost horror. But like, he's not really doing much. Like it, to me, that's a, that's a proper actor. Like he's a proper yeah. old school, like traditional. Like, really, like I think his performance is really good. And I think that's like, going back to Michael Clark Duncan. I think his performances. I mean, yeah, I was actually quite so surprised he, when I found out he didn't win. I was quite mm. surprised. Um, I think he was he's really good in it. Um, seeming this is a guy that 
he used to be a bouncer. Yeah, she used to be a bouncer in in LA, and he actually was the bouncer for um, Biggie Smalls. He was like the one of the guys that sort of you know that protects you sort of yeah thing. yeah bodyguard bodyguards but that's it exactly um, and for Will Smith and P Diddy I think he did a few guys uh, L A Cool J but um, I th- after Notorious I think I read before that after Biggie was killed he was like I don't want to do this anymore yeah sort of like it's not what I do and I think his mum always pushed him said that you should do acting and he was in L A he was like fuck it why don't I give it a go I mean and like you look at him he's like you know what I mean it's like you almost feel like he was built to play this role almost like I think this is like probably his most famous performance mm. um, he's done I mean he's been in some he's been in like Sin City and other stuff and that mm. um, and he's great in that as well but um, yeah I just think he's he really showed that he had some acting mm. chops I mean coming from a guy that you know didn't have didn't really come from an acting from the theatre or anything like that yeah. I think he's really really um, great mm. in this film and I think I think re- I think really to be honest I think everyone's pretty much on Absolutely, their A yeah. game even the the other I don't know who the, I don't know who the actor is for the other cop the other prison guard the guy who's like next to Tom Hanks all the time uh, Brutus uh, big, the Brutus, big guy the big one yeah, yeah big. his bit at the end it holds on it holds Germany he's getting executed it holds a shot a close up of him for ages as he slowly breaks down mm to tears but not in yeah. a proper sobbing way in a very and it and I feel like the way he cries is so I think Darabont or the actors worked really well here because I feel like they really understood the characters and the way they cry at the end really says a lot about who they are mm. like the one guy who's sobbing he's like you get that because he's a very you know he's an emotional guy he's really caring he's always like how's it, things going mm. like he's, he's very thoughtful people and that one character is quite tough isn't he? he's quite you mm. know he's, um, yeah, and I think stoic and I think when he the way he slowly breaks down to crying, I think, says so much about him. Yeah. And I think it was like the perfect, yeah, mm. perfect performance in that as well. And I think, yeah, I think everyone was, um, I think everyone brings their A game in this film. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm quite shocked well, by that one. Well, to carry on that, the, the train of thought that I believe that we're now mm. on, mm. Um, that's all the reviews we kind of have time for. So, oh, Ollie, yeah, what's, nice uh, give it the five star positive review, please. So, it's rare that you find a film which contains so many different elements such as like a magical side to things, an emotional side to things, even comic elements which don't feel out of place, um, which suggests that the writing is very good. Obviously it comes from Stephen King initially, but the way they've adapted it is great, I feel. And obviously it all culminates in a very impactful way. Uh, it really tugs at the emotions. And that's what I'd say. I'd just say it. When I first watched this film, I was hmm, probably too young to watch it, to be honest with you. And I think that's mm-hmm. why it had such a big impact mm. on me, because it was just something that was totally unsuitable for me. And obviously the first scene that really sticks in my mind was that, from the, my first viewing of it, was obviously the, the execution of Edward Delacroix, which was uh, the one that was terribly wrong. And that scarred me for life, I feel. It's literally changed my life thinking about that scene, because it just it came to me at a time in my life when I wasn't ready to watch something like that. But that aside, I feel, unlike what a previous reviewer said, the characters are far more than one-dimensional. You've got the smaller characters like Edward Delacroix and Arlen Bitterbuck, the other two inmates, who show a lot of humanity within it, despite the fact they've obviously committed heinous crimes. Whilst on the other side, we've got people that are meant to be looking after them, that are naturally more evil uh, consistently than them. There's a... There's a point to be made that maybe a couple of these people that are on death row have committed one one major mistake in their life and which they regret, and that is that that's their future decided for them. Whereas people that are more intrinsically nasty throughout their lives are in a position of power over those people. That's right. So this sort of film that makes you think about stuff like that, and it's always it always gives me reason to to come back to it and discover new things. Much longer review than you probably expected there. I'll <laughs> shut up now. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry for choosing this film, guys. That's good. It's a sad one. Yeah, yeah. At some point. Charlie, I know that this isn't like top tier for you, but... I, I think it's a really good movie. Um, I do really like this movie. Um, I think it's good. I think it's effective. It does what it needs to set out to do. And it does it really well. Um, yeah, I think it can be a bit melodramatic at times. But overall, I think it's a great movie. And I think... It does. It does. It does get to you. It does really get to you. It does. Uh, does make you upset. I've seen many people cry watching this film, and I think the first time I watched it, I got really emotional as well. Um, it is a sad. It is a sad film. Um, 
but yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it's got some lovely character stuff in it. Um, for a three-hour movie, I mean, it's paced really well. It flies by. Yeah, overall, I think it's a really good, solid film. I mean, there's a reason why it's on a lot of people's lists. I mean, I mean, it's a general. I think in the UK, we voted it like this one of the number two tearjerker mm. in the UK to uh, to I think it lost to ET. And I mean, them films, you know, they do well with yeah. audience because they're they're effective for a reason. Mm. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a really good movie. Um, I do enjoy it a lot. How about yourself? Yeah, no, I agree entirely. Uh, I can understand the negative points. Yeah, I can same. Understand that uh, the the race elements being quite negative, but I can also sit down and watch the film and enjoy it as is. It's a good piece of fiction, which then today is what it is. It's Stephen King writing a thing that he hopes will captivate audiences and help audiences connect and relieve emotion. Because of course, back in the day. Um, very theatrical, melodramatic dramas, they'd make people cry so that when the audience left, they'd feel better. Hmm. It was that sort of thing that if you go into a thing feeling depressed and you watch something depressing and you cry, it's now <laughs> it's out. Like cathartic <laughs> it's cathartic. It's yeah, cathartic. Yeah. It's, it's good for you. Yeah. And so I can see it from a lot of elements. Um, it's not in my top ten because... I'm more of a explosions and comedy <laughs> guy. Michael Bay is his favourite. Oh, I love it. Get, <laughs> get Transformers on next. <laughs> but I can understand why it's... It, I do see it as a really good film. It's definitely up there. And I enjoy it very much. So, that's the end. Ollie, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything oh, you want to point people nice towards? Uh, I've got music up on Spotify at the moment. I go by the name Ollie Whale, which is my my name so nothing <laughs> special there O-L-L-I-E W-A-L-E is my last name unfortunately uh-huh. no woman's going to want to marry me with that last name well. <laughs> but uh, you can get that on Spotify uh, my EP and I've got some new music coming out hopefully later in the year got an album uh, I'm working on currently so oh, looking that forward to it excited yeah and Charlie where could they find us if they so desire to uh, they can find us on Twitter at Faith Film Was Awful they can find us on Instagram at your favorite film is awful and they can find us on facebook at your favorite film is awful so yeah beautiful check us out guys yeah give us the five stars give us a review we'd love to hear some feedback even if you tweet us send us a message on instagram like yeah wherever's easier for you i mean it'd be great but i mean if you can leave a review on itunes it'll really help us yeah it helps with the algorithm yeah other than that are we all happy brilliant yeah. yes very much. awesome thank you for listening bye-bye take care see you later